Father, we want to thank you again just for a great time we have in your presence, a great time we've already had. Uh, now we look to your word for counsel, for guidance, Lord God, uh, in our life. Uh, Lord God, for that matter, even, you know, how we should even approach you. Uh, so, Father, sanctify our minds, sanctify our hearts, our spirits, Lord God, uh, that we may be right before you, Lord God. Uh, Lord God, we want to receive every word that comes out of heaven and help us to absorb it as a sponge absorbs water. So again today, Lord God, may your presence be among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, before I uh, begin, I just want us to give uh, 30 seconds of this silence before the Lord. 30 seconds of silence before the Lord. Can we do that? Thinking about the Lord and his goodness. Can you do that? Here we go. Amen. Amen. At the end of the year, we, are, we often hear stories about the best and the worst dress of the year. And I know some of you have been longing to see that list for months now. Uh, you want to know who, which celebrities dress the best. Which ones uh, were just looking like complete slobs in 2014? In fact, even Wall Street gets in on the bandwagon as uh, financial corporations uh, are included in many financial magazines which evaluate and publish the best investments in stocks and bonds of the year. Where should you have placed your money in the year? But even as important as those things may be to some people, they come in last place compared to what uh, could have or has happened in your life. Now this doesn't necessarily have to focus on all the negative things because we know uh, that some good things have happened to people in 2014, amen? I mean, we ourselves know that there are people we know personally that got married this year, and that is a cause for celebration. Amen? But most people who start off this year, most people that I know, uh, that even though they may not have uh, a New Year's resolution, uh, they begin the year with the idea is that they want to be healthy and prosperous and successful uh, during the year without any involvement in any mess. Isn't that the way we all start out? But time has a way of showing us that we are not in control of most things that we encounter. Stuff just happens. Even when we have exercised the greatest amount of care 
and place much thought into what we have done, uh, stuff happens. So what can you do after a long year of living? Do you just sit down and talk about how exhausting things were? Do you roll up into a ball and, and hope and pray uh, that things are going to get better next time around, I hope? Fortunately for us, the Bible has much to say about life in which we can reflect and adjust ourselves accordingly. So what we're going to hear today is not a solution. I'm not going to offer you a solution to make uh, 2015 better. I'm going to not try to undo all those things that plagued your life this past year. What we're going to hear about is a place of focus where our hearts should be on, on a consistent basis as residents on this earth who seek to deepen a relationship with the Lord who's higher than all things. Turn with me to Jude. Jude 24. Okay, you may be asking me, well, which chapter? There's only... One chapter in Jude, so I can say Jude 24, and you understand what I'm talking about, but for those sticklers, Jude chapter 1, verse 24. In our passage today, we will look at a couple of reasons why we should reverence the Lord after a long year. Uh, well, uh, not just after a long year, but after a year of both ups and downs, some emotional, uh, some physical, uh, some even spiritual. Why should we reverence the Lord after a long year? Jude, verse 24. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and read verses 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So why should we reverence the Lord after a long year? We should reverence the Lord after a long year because he has the ability, the ability to keep us. I'll say that one more time. If you have not had a long year and you need to be reminded because everything was hunky-dory in your life, that we must reverence the Lord because of his ability to keep us. Scripture tells us, us here in verse 24 that the Lord is able to keep us from stumbling. Why would Jude bring this aspect of stumbling uh, into the discussion? Why does he talk about stumbling amongst believers? The reason this is used because it is a reality among all of us that at any point in time uh, that we are at risk of stumbling uh, to a place that God may not be pleased. 
This stumbling refers to uh, not having, uh, have failed uh, to keep the law of God. The law, we know we have not kept the law, uh, so we can stumble or not doing the things that we know that we're supposed to do. Free from sinning. Another way of saying this is to use the word intact. That, uh, that now to him who is able to keep you intact, keeping you together. After having gone through living this life with all of his roller coaster motions, uh, we can sometimes doubt. We doubt because we have not always accomplished what we wanted to uh, or done the best in every area that we should have. The fact remains that uh, sometimes that we have come up short. You know that you have, I know that I have. Thank God for Jesus Christ. This is not only true of our home and work, uh, but true of our spirituality. There are times that you know that you could have prayed longer. In fact, there were times that you know that you could have simply prayed and you did not pray. There were times when you could have read God's word, but instead you opted to look at television. We also remember uh, when we said we could, we could do better, and that we would do better the next day, and then when the next day came, guess what? We didn't do better. We failed, and we sometimes fell miserably. It's very interesting that outside of uh, writings, outside of Scripture, uh, that the original word uh, used for stumbling indicated a person who could fall off of a horse. Life is just like that at times. It's just like trying to move forward with all that we can and all we want to do is stay on a horse. I remember sharing with you some time ago a story about my very first horseback ride that I had gone with a friend of mine. Some of you may remember this story. And we had gone over here uh, to the forest preserves and we had gone to the horse ranch and uh, gotten on horses, and first thing I remember saying, that I didn't realize horses were so big. I mean, the back of my horse, they said, you're tall, so you need this horse. So the back of my horse was like almost up here. I'm like, man, I said, you all got a ladder for me to get up there? I said, somebody's going to have it. So imagine now, a big old me trying to get on that big old horse. Uh, so uh, we go out into the woods, and uh, and I said, how, I said, how am I going to steer the horse? And they said, don't worry about it, because whatever the first horse does, all the horses will follow. Uh, you remember that, huh? So I said, I, I, I'm good. I'm good. I don't have to worry about anything. Uh, so I'm just like a little boy scout, better yet, not a boy scout, like a cub scout, right? Uh, riding on this big old horse, big old me on a big old horse, uh, just walking very calmly through the woods. I'm not guide, guiding the horse, you know, telling the horse to go left. I just, I'm just on his back holding the reins. And then all of a sudden I heard our guide up front say something like, are you ready? And, 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 and I was the last one. You see, I wanted to be the last one because I wanted to see what was happening up front before I made it up there. 
So I asked my friend who was in front of me, what did he say? He says, I think he says, are you ready? And he said, ready as uh, the horse began to take off. Uh, so now I'm on top of this big old me on top of this big old horse running through the woods and I'm screaming on back of the horse saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, so I slow down, uh, but they're not listening to me because there's so much noise. Uh, so I'm bouncing up and down on the horse. Uh, I said, okay, it's not as bad as I think it is. So I'm going big old me on a big old horse. The horse is galloping at a, a, at a fervent pace. He was probably walking, right? But he was, he was galloping at a fervent pace, very intensely. I'm going up and down. I said, okay, this is, uh, this is pretty scary, uh, and I'm a little concerned, but I think I can hold on. So we're going on, and some of you remember what happened next. So what happens next is, uh, remember, uh, big old me on a big old horse, so the horse's back is about here. So when I sit on the horse, I'm like way up there. So we're going through the woods and the horses are galloping and we reach a certain point and somehow in some way a branch grabs me around the throat. And remember the horses are not walking but they are moving really, really quickly. So the branch grabs me around my throat and I had to make an instantaneous decision. Do I let go of the horse to get rid of the branches, or do I hold on to the horse and get hung? So I decide that I would remove the branch off of my neck. I had to let go, because if I didn't let go, uh, that the branches would basically suspend me in air. So I let go, and then finally, you know, I'm screaming like a child, a uh, big old me on a big old horse, and then we finally make it to the end of the trail, and then the guy, he finally stops, and he, he does ask me, he says, what went on back there? I'm like, well, why didn't he ask me what went on when I was about to be hung? I don't quite understand that. Life is just like that. It seems like uh, life, it takes off before we are ready, and, and just when we feel that we can finally hold on, life grabs us around the throat and tries to throw us off of our game. doesn't stop when you have difficulty, but it keeps going forward even when you just want it to, just to slow down a little bit, horse of life. Sometimes you don't feel how sore life has made you until you get off of the ride. So Jesus keeps us from falling off the horse. And he keeps us intact even when things are starting to look a little dicey. The idea, however, with stumbling, it is a falling to a place where there we become no longer contenders for heaven. If we remember how the angels fell from heaven, we know that that fall was permanent. You remember that? Remember how scripture says that when the angels fell from heaven, uh, that it was one-third of all the angels? So let's say if there's a billion angels, right? Uh, we'll pick a small number like that. And one-third of a billion angels fell. Do you understand that they have no way of making it back into heaven? Nobody can pray them in. Nobody can, can pray to God and say, forgive me 
It is done. Why? Because they have seen the gloriousness of God and God will no longer allow them back into a place where they knew that he existed. That fall was a place where there was no real hope of gaining back that which was lost due to sin. And guess what? The angels, they did sin. But thank God for Jesus Christ for us. Amen? Because we know that when we have sin, that we have an advocate in Jesus Christ, that we can gain something in which we have lost. So thank God for Jesus Christ. The scripture tells us that uh, the Lord keeps us or protects us from stumbling to a place of no return. If the Lord couldn't protect uh, from a point of no return for us, uh, then that would indicate that God lacks power and total power. In God's covenant with us, he said he would give us everlasting life. Uh, if God said that he would give us everlasting life, guess what? We got it. But not only does uh, the Lord keep us from stumbling or uh, keep us from falling off the horse, he also presents us blameless before the presence of his glory. There is indeed lots of stumbling going on this year. That stumbling came in the form of sinfulness, while other stumbling came in the form of the trials of life. At this point, all you know is that the past is the past, and there is nothing that you can do about it. You see, when you've tripped in the past, all you can say is that I tripped, and that's it. But you can also go before the Lord in confession and cover all that as we prayed earlier with the blood of Jesus Christ as a reminder of what he has already accomplished in your life. So regardless of what has occurred in your sphere of existence, our verse tells us that God will present you blameless before the presence of his glory. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and what before him? Ah, uh, yeah. Why don't you read verse 4 with me, please? Verse 4. Read it out loud, please, with me. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Here we go. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Amen? Us being blameless before the presence of God is not something that he cooked up at the last minute. That means that before you were born that God thought of you. That means before that your mother was born that God thought of you. Before your grandparents were born that God was looking out for you. God, he put it all in place. Because he's omniscient. He knows the beginning from the end. He planned this before the world itself was even founded. But the key is that you must be in Christ for all of it to happen. 
It should therefore give us great confidence that the Lord thought of us in our situation before we arrived on the scene. He knew that the human race would run into problems and knew that you would also struggle with the people that you interact with and even struggle with your own self. God's grace again affirms those that love Him. Do you love the Lord today? If you believe God's words and you know this is true of you, and then I want you just to tell them. You don't have to shout it out loud. Or you can do it however you want. I just want you to say, thank you, Jesus. But the danger of us knowing God's grace uh, covers us in, in, uh, when we uh, are tempted. Uh, we are tempted then, therefore, to let it all hang out. I got God's grace and he's going to cover me regardless of what I do so I can live the life that I want to do. While grace gives you the freedom to be who you are, it is the freedom to be who you are with the understanding that you're supposed to love Jesus Christ. So you cannot go living a life of sin. God does and is not pleased with that. If you then love the Lord, you will display that love in your morality and in your worship. If you tell me that that pastor, that's just how I am. My mother was like that and, and her mother was like that. Right, well, if they were sinning, that means you're sinning too and you do not get a pass. God didn't give them a pass and God is not going to give you a pass. When you are presented before God, it is done not with regret. Isn't that something? That the scripture tells us here back in Jude. He says, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Can you imagine that? And you know some of you all have been really, really bad. Can you imagine that? Can you get your mind around that? The fact that when it's time uh, to be presented before God, that God is going to present you before himself with great joy. It's not like, you know, uh, if you were a kid, right, <clears throat> around Christmas time, and, 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 and sometimes <clears throat> you know you were bad, right? And it's time to unwrap your presents during Christmas time. And you know that there were times in which your parents made you wait to last. And that put doubts in your mind because you begin to wonder, I wonder if I really got a gift. And then you get to that gift and your parents look at you and they tell you things like, uh, you know, you almost didn't get nothing for Christmas, David. I mean, whoever put your name in there, right? You know you almost didn't get nothing for Christmas. You see, when you're presented before God, God is not going to say that about you if you know Jesus Christ. He's not going to say, you know, uh, you almost didn't make it into heaven, so uh, don't get too happy yet. God says that if you know Jesus Christ, that uh, I saw this little uh, video, I think it was last week on the news, whatever it was, and there was this uh, little, little bitty doggy uh, in the uh, uh, animal, whatever they're called, uh, babysitting places, what are they called? Uh, animals, I want, it's not a shelter, what are they called? Kennel, they're called kennel, that's the word, big word, right? Babysitting place for dogs, right? So, there was a dog was waiting on his or her master, whatever it was, right? And they saw their master at the door, right? 
and, uh, and that, that little doggy jumped up on the little fence there, and he started jumping around like this because he knew uh, that uh, he was finally going to get a chance to be with the one. He's been waiting all day. Uh, 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 I can't wait. It's going to be like that with us when, when, when God presents us before himself. I think, anyway. I think that we're going to be just like that, uh, that we're going to be up there saying, oh, God, oh, I can't wait all of my life. I can't wait to be before you. I just really wonder all this stuff. We're going to be just like that. I know God is going to say, he's going to look at you. And he's going to see Jesus Christ. And he's going to say, enter into my joy. Well done, my good and faithful Servant. Uh, this idea of great joy speaks of that joy which is extreme and intense. This is how God feels about you. This is how God loves you. He loves you with intense and extreme joy. Why? How could that be possible? Look at my life. Because his blood it just erases all that mess. The blood of Jesus Christ erases that mess from us. So that when he looks at us, he sees Jesus Christ. Think about it for a moment now. Think about the Hebrews who were frightened to go up to the mountain of God. Think about the threats of death to anyone that would approach the Holy of Holies unauthorized. Think about Nadab and Abihu who presented before the Lord unauthorized fire and who were quickly found dead. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. You, you see that? You see, these individuals, when they begin to hear uh, the voice of God, that they had one plea, not, oh Lord, I can't wait to be near you. Their plea was this, just take me away. I don't want to hear it anyone, anymore. Just let someone else speak to me. Verse 20, for they could not endure the order that was given. And this was the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. You're going to die. God said that you're not holy, but I am. And even if you come near the mountain where I am, you are going to die. Verse 21. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. I believe that for the most part, all those folks who are going to be trembling with fear when they're presented before God are, is everyone that does not know Jesus. You're going to be afraid. 
but for those that love Jesus Christ, that Jesus is going to smile at you. That he's going to rest his arm around you and say, come on here, everything is going to be good. Has anyone ever done that to you before? That you were uh, not certain about your life or something that you had to do and someone laid their hand on you and said, come on, everything is going to be okay. You remember how that felt? Remember how the words of encouragement were? This is exactly what Jesus is going to do for us. So in this letter, Jude has started off by saying he wanted to write to them about the salvation that they had in common. Verse 3. Jude chapter 1, verse 3. So he originally told them, I, want, I wanted to, I set my heart on writing to you about the salvation that we had in common. Man, what a joy it is to talk about Jesus Christ, our common salvation. But there are times when this is simply not possible because of sin and compromise that runs rampant in the world. It is true not just in the world, but at times in the church as well. So Judy spoke to believers and encouraged them to contend for the faith. Of course, there may be practices in the church that are different from church to church because they have a different philosophy of ministry. But there are core issues, nevertheless, which can never be compromised at any cost within the body of Christ. You cannot compromise on the godness of God. You cannot compromise on the godness of Jesus Christ. You cannot compromise on the godness of the Holy Spirit and all the work that God has clearly displayed throughout Scripture. You cannot compromise on that. Here, Jude, he was dealing with false teachers who perverted God's grace and denied Jesus Christ. They said, Jesus Christ is not uh, this person that you make him out to be. And if I've said it once, I've said it a million times, that when you know uh, and you're in the conversation with people, those people that deny Jesus Christ, you better believe it is the spirit of the Antichrist at work in them. You better know it. What if you were being fearful of being placed into a category because of a momentary lapse or purposeful involvement uh, that, uh, that you somehow got off track? God says that if you love Jesus Christ, you're good. You're good to go. In this letter, Jude, he speaks confidence into our life because even though we must have faith in the Lord and live accordingly, it all depends on Jesus the older you get, the more you realize that it is all because of God's grace and not because of the stuff that you are doing in the guise of holiness. I want you to know that even your best is not holy enough. I'll say it again in case you missed it again. Even your best is not holy enough. You can act as holy as you think that you can be, but at the end of the day, you're not holy. Sarah Young says in her devotional, and I quote, When you are dissatisfied with your behavior, you tend to feel unworthy of God's love. You may unconsciously punish yourself by withdrawing from him and attributing the distance between you and God to his displeasure. So in other words, when you think that you have missed the mark, you start feeling that you're unworthy 
And then you start to feel this distance between you and God, and then you start blaming God that God is getting further and further away from me. She says, instead of returning to him and receiving his love, you attempt to earn his approval by trying harder. You get that? You get that? So she's saying that when you fall short, that you start to really just, you know, be hard on yourself. And then you start thinking that God is now getting far and far away from us, but it's not God, it's us. But then we promise, I'll do better next time, God. And then next time comes, we do okay for a couple of days. You know how it happens, that, that vicious cycle. And then we feel unworthy again. And then what happens? I wonder if I'm saved. I wonder if I know the Lord. This is why this doxology or ending praise in verses 24 and 25 are so significant to us. Jude tells us it's not you, it's not you, it's Jesus all the way. Jude now begins an expression of reverence towards the Lord because he has attributes which are unique above all creation. Reverence the Lord because of his attributes which surpasses that of all creation. Worship, reverence the Lord because of his attributes, his characteristics which surpasses that of all creation. Verse 25 again here in Jude. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, here it is, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. There is a recognition that God is our Savior through Jesus Christ. Uh, Peter says that there is salvation in no other name. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. But look at what Jude said earlier in the book, verse 5 now. Jude, verse 5. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Have you read that before? The fact that it was Jesus who had delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt? Yet I know you may say that, but I, I read that. I didn't see Jesus' name. I didn't see, in fact, I didn't see Jesus as Jesus' name. Uh, yeah, I can say Yeshua as in Joshua, uh, but I, I didn't see Jesus' name anywhere in the Old Testament. That's okay. Keep living and trust in the word of God. Amen? God is our Savior. Jesus is our Savior. God is our Savior. Jesus is our Savior. Can you say that with me? God is our Savior. Jesus is our Savior. It all belongs to him and we understand it. Glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. Now, uh, Jude, he was not trying to bring forth an exhaustive list of the attributes of God in this verse. He was not trying to do that. 
writing, especially after he thought about the plight of all those that didn't know Jesus, what happened was at the end of this letter, he broke out in spontaneous praise. Has that ever happened to you? Just breaking out in praise to the Lord. Glory and majesty, dominion, power and might belongs to you. Oh Lord God, my rock, my redeemer, my savior. We're hearing, hearing a praise from a saint of God at the end of a letter meant to hearing, warn believers of those who war after from a Jesus saint of God and whose judgment is believers. Of those who wore some of you Jesus may know this judgment phrase as we find in other passages in scriptures as a doxology. May know this ending phrase as we find so we in have other a doxology for the end of this year. So it is praise for the Lord in the form of reverence. It we is reverence the Lord praise for the Lord in the form us. of reverence. Reverence the Lord because of his attributes. the Lord because of his ability to keep us all of creation. Reverence the Lord because of his attributes.